Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the 963 Universal Frequency. I'm your host, Esther Clare, spreading awareness with an open heart, an open mind, living life and being free. In this episode, my guest, Kirsty Taylor, will be talking all about nutrition and astrology. This was a fun conversation as nutrition and astrology are topics that I truly enjoy learning about. Also, Kirsty is an Australian and chatting with someone from your own country is always heartwarming and she definitely has the personality to match. So this was a laid back, chilled, fun conversation with many takeaways. If you were fortunate to be in the Southern Hemisphere and you are an observer of the night sky, you most likely would have been able to see the alignments of the planets, Mars, Venus, Jupiter and Saturn. This only ever happens every thousand years, so this was an exciting time for those stargazers and astronomers out there. I was actually in Nanup, if you had tuned into my last episode, I spent the weekend there, and I also took my telescope. I have a Saxon Pioneer, it's a 120-600 refractor. It's a pretty decent telescope, but you didn't even need a telescope to actually see the aligning of the planets, so that was... It was cool. It was an epic event. And even if you were in the Northern Hemisphere, I believe you would have also been able to see the planets align. And when you think about it, the universe is one big clock, influencing space and time. And when I think about the word universe, uni meaning one and verse meaning division of metrical composition, you can then think of it as one rhythm because it's all frequency, it's all sound, it's all energy, and it's all working in unison. Everything is frequency, everything is sound, everything is vibration. And so astrology, the word astro, meaning heavenly or celestial body, and it also uh, means star and planet. Ology, meaning field or the study of science. The study for me, astrology, I then connect this study to the possibility that the planet stars are the heavenly gods and they transmit a perpetual frequency to everything, being alive or after death to reincarnation. It's all connected. There's obviously much more to it, but in terms of our natal charts, so the our, our birth charts and people's personalities, I do believe there is a universal influence that shapes and molds our minds and you know you think about the creation of matter and atoms and electrical energy anyway it's so big to comprehend that the only thing that can define its truth is someone's belief that's the only way you can really decipher what it actually is 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 what you actually believe it to be i'm rambling on but i find this stuff so cool i mean (laughs) Think about it. Venus, I think it's uh, 225 days. Mars is 687 days. Jupiter is 12 years. And Saturn is 29 years to orbit the sun. Then miraculously, these planets line up wavelengths apart and display themselves for us to see. I got the impression that these gods, if you will, and... I I don't know if they are gods. It's just an idea. It is plausible. It is a concept. You never know. I just felt as if when I was looking up, they were looking down at Earth, judging humanity. (laughs) In a way, it was a a surreal 
situation when you're, especially when it's that dark and you're looking out at the, at the planets, uh, and there's no light pollution too. It's 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 an epic event. I can't I can't it, words can't explain. Epic is too small to to describe what it actually feels like to look at all these planets. And anyway, the ancient astronomers called the planets wanderers as they recorded the movements of these lights, which were planets, because they moved about the sky. And they were noticing and documenting people's behaviours, the change of climate. Change of climate has been recorded as far back as ancient times. No further comment. And they were also recording world events that they decided to believe that the planets had attributes of the gods. So you got Venus represents love, passion, pleasure, the finer things in life. Mars, so Mars is the god of war. And that is drive, energy, ambition, aggression. Jupiter represents religion, spirituality, philosophy, ethics. It's the seeker of truth. And Saturn is the passage of time, perseverance, and the orderliness of all things. And so, as above, so below, all of those traits, attributes, emotions, energies, whatever you or however you want to define them, they are all really vital to what is actually happening on Earth today. Or maybe we should all get prepared for the end of the world. No, I don't believe that. Mother Earth, Gaia, she will be here long after humanity has wiped themselves out. I guarantee it. That is for sure. Anyway, I, I'm digressing again. Horoscopes. If you break down the word, it is a Greek word. Horo means hour and scope means to view. So the word means to see in an hourly view. But the meaning of horoscope is a graphical representation of where the sun, moon, planets and other points are all mapped out against the horizon from the day, time and place that you were born. So you really do need to know the time and location of where you were born to figure out your, your natal chart, your birth chart. And I just wanted to point out as well that astrology dates back to Egypt when Egypt was known as Babylon. Babylonia. It was Alexander the Great. I believe it was during the Hellenistic era of Egypt where he pretty much took the ideology of astrology and it was given to the Greeks and they modified it. And so there's probably a lot of lost knowledge from that ancient era. So that transition, I, I presume, I mean, I don't know, it wasn't there, but it's just logically you would think there's probably some information that has been lost and but maybe not maybe there's more information found we don't know we don't know i just thought i'd, I'd point that out to you because um i am referring to horoscopes and horoscopes is a greek thing so these charts are based on the current constellations and the current constellations are the ones that we can see which is the 12 zodiac signs so you got aquarius Pisces, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, 
Capricorn. That was 12. Yes, that was 12. There is actually 13, so a fucus. And this, this, is a, this is a tough one because they actually say that a fucus isn't a sign. It's a constellation. And a fucus, that sits between Scorpio or Scorpius if you uh, have one of those uh, apps where you can actually see the constellations on your phone and Sagittarius. So it sits in between there and it's always been there. It's kind of forgotten about, which is really weird, but they announced it maybe a couple of years ago and it was right after I got my Taurus tattoo that they announced that there's a 13th star sign. So technically I actually am a Aries, which I was gutted about, but I also found it really, really funny because I literally just got a tattoo. And so there is the 13th constellation and some consider it as a sign. Others are saying, no, it's not. It's not considered because it's not part of the 12 zodiacs. I'm kind of happy with the 12 zodiacs anyway, because I truly believe I am a Taurian. And when I've had reports done, I still come up as a Taurian. So anyway. Uh, I digress again. Come on, back on track. There is the 13th zodiac sign. And the mythology of this constellation has changed a lot. So it is the serpent bearer. Uh, Serpentaurus, I believe, is the word that they use. And look, I don't know how I feel about it. There is 88 constellations. We can only view 12 technically 13 anyway Cordius Ptolemy is a Greek astronomer uh, if you want to know more about the 88 constellations look him up so the best way to look at it would be so how were the planets aligned when you were born is the question under these constellations the 12 zodiac constellations so you need to know as I said the time location of your birth where was the sun situated? And secondly, what sign was on the horizon when you were born? We've actually got some savvy technology that can compile this information and provide you with a report on all the planet's positions on the date of your birth. And it's quite interesting if you ever decide to do this. I've had quite a few of these reports done now and they pretty much most, most of them match up. And I'm not talking about the internet ones where you can just go on the internet and it spits out a report. Going to an actual astrologer is ideal. It's amazing to see how the planets represent moods and behaviors and just how it's all related to your personality. And no planet works independently of each other. They all work together. They're all connected in frequency of negative and positive energies, much like people. If you think about it, if you were the only person left in the world, you'd be screwed. You would. You might like it for a while. I know I would. You really wouldn't be able to survive. I think emotionally, you wouldn't be able to survive because you would need a companion or you would just, maybe, I don't know, maybe if there was an animal, maybe if there were still animals on the planet, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, I digress again. I'm now going to play the conversation with Kirsty Taylor. I hope you actually made it <laughs> to this point. If you have, kudos to you. Please enjoy the conversation and I'm going to shut the hell up.
Joining me from Sydney, New South Wales is Kirsty Taylor. Kirsty is a nutritionist. She is also the founder and creator of The Nourishing Way. I'm thrilled to be connecting with you today. Thank you, Kirsty. No worries. Firstly, could you tell the listeners how you found your passion for nutrition? I think like a lot of people that find their way into natural health, it's definitely through problems and I suppose healing that I wanted to do myself. And that was definitely um, the way for me. So I had a lot of hormonal issues, um, periods going missing. I had some really bad gut stuff happening. So some severe bloating, some really starting to react to a lot of foods. And I also, in amongst all that, got some really bad rosacea as well. So it was quite red and like the only way I can describe it is my skin looked very angry on my face a lot of the time. So those three things um, sort of led me down the natural health path because unfortunately I wasn't getting a lot of great answers from the medical and I now know that it's because it's a lot of lifestyle stuff that I had to change. Like there wasn't a pill, quote unquote, to yep. me. So, you know, that's the medical is absolutely fantastic for that, but not so much with I needed to have a bit of an overhaul of, um, yeah, life in general. So, yeah, that's why I actually started to do seek out some natural health practitioners myself and then I was absolutely just loving it so I wanted to dive in and do study and be able to help other people um, do the same as what I have. And you've also done some travel over in the UK. Yes my plan was to go to the UK and do some work and travel through Europe for a year and then COVID hit so I actually was stuck in the UK in the end um, for a little bit longer than I expected. Um, yeah, so I didn't quite get to see as much, but oh my goodness, talk about a discovery of yourself when you are stuck in lockdown for a long period of time and then you come back to Australia and you're stuck again in lockdown. So yeah, I've had a lot of time with myself over the past couple of years, which is both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> are you going to go back overseas? Plan to do Oktoberfest, me and my cousins, um, in 2020. Hilariously, like even though coronavirus was like starting to become a thing, we were like, "Oh, we'll be fine in October." Like, we'll just book this trip anyway. Uh -huh. Turns out it's not okay. So yeah, Oktoberfest on this year. So I am actually big for O this year. So what an September. So what a time to go and celebrate with. Um, yeah, going back to England and seeing a bit more of Europe for the. The big birthday yeah make up for the time lost uh, I'm, re I'm really looking forward to traveling now I'm just so excited so yeah I'm not too sure I'm thinking the Middle East oh nice. I'm thinking Jordan Egypt and Morocco, oh, I love Morocco. Oh, that's like definitely it was on my one of my visit when I was in the UK but yeah oh my god Morocco would be fantastic with traveling and as a nutritionist was food something you had to be cautious of somewhere different and like I was in the country in the UK so it wasn't like city-based and I think it's very much similar when you're traveling even in Australia when you're going to even different parts there's a lot of like different food choices and stuff available and like I am gluten-free I am dairy-free and actually when I was over in the UK I did a lot of um, healing for my SIBO which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth so, yeah, that was quite interesting to navigate just food choices in general when you're going out. But I did notice um, 
there was a lot of difference in going out places in the UK, particularly in the country. There is a lot of beige food around. Like it was definitely a little bit more difficult. But then when I went to some of the like the bigger places, like I was quite close to Bath and stuff like that, there was so many amazing different food options there that were different. And I feel like it's probably almost the same as if you travelled to the country in Australia. Like I was born in Dubbo and still have um, relatives out that way. So do go out and like there is one or two cafes that you can find. But, yeah, majority of it is a little bit different. Although I do feel like Australia... The food choices, the array, like the freshness of all of our produce is definitely of a higher standard than probably what I found, um, yeah, particularly in those European countries. Mm, yeah, I, I felt the same way. And I, and I loved the variety of food in Europe. It was all delish. I'd walk out of my home and there would be a cafe, a bakery, a restaurant, one after the other. I ate a lot and badly. And I've always been conscious of health growing up. My elder brother, he became a, a personal trainer for quite some time. And that really influenced me quite a bit. So I was always very weary of, of what I would eat. And I did a lot of exercise. But when I went to the UK, I was eating mainly fast food and I hardly worked out. Um, I can't remember cooking a meal at home when I was living over there, I can't even recall eating fresh fruit or vegetables. Fried potato chips is probably the closest I would come to a, to eating a vegetable. But yeah, I, I was really looking forward to going back to Australia just for the fresh food and being able to get back into a routine. I actually stopped smoking too when I got back and I, and I did it cold turkey amongst a whole bunch of other toxic things that I knew was bad for me but anyway uh, I became vegan oh, coming up to about two years now but it is still fairly recent it was largely to do with the the ethical side to it but also because I was uh, a huge consumer of meat and I was finding one of the the reasons why my skin was flaring because when I cut down on meat I noticed it wasn't as intense, but yeah, even, even products as well, uh, raw Australia, I use that now and it's a vegan skincare product. Every ingredient that you read, you actually understand. So you know what you're putting on your face. And so, yeah, I've being vegan, I've got more energy, you know, cutting out all animal products, um, you know, especially, especially dairy. No more gurgling and churning in the stomach. I'm not feeling sluggish anymore. And I and I haven't cut out gluten yet. I am going to. I do my best buying organic foods, but it really is hard to be vigilant every day. Um, anyway, that's my ramble. I don't know where I was going with that. Saying <laughs> about um I found that the uh I suppose like all the big cities and because their big cities are like so much bigger than our big cities. Like it's just crazy to think that, you know, they have three times the amount of population of Australia in their very, very small country that fits into um, Victoria. So like I was very, like I said, very lucky I was out in the countryside. So I didn't have like that thing. But in terms of being a vegan, I think it's particularly easier over there. And like 
gluten-free options for those kind of things are definitely easier over there. And I think, again, it's because of maybe the pool that they've got. Like if you've got 10% of the population that's um, gluten-free in Australia, that's only like 3 million people, where over there it's like 7 million people. So it's actually a much bigger market to be able to serve. And I think that makes a lot of difference. But, yeah, in terms of the like being a vegan, I suppose, animal consciousness um it is definitely bigger i found that in the uk i had a lot more vegan clients over there i myself am not vegan i actually don't do well on eating a full vegan diet and i think that like when a lot of people say to me like what is the best diet i'm like it's the one that makes you feel the best like there is no for me there is no set diet and i will never put that onto anybody it's like person that's sitting across from me um it's like there's almost like i always say in nutrition n equals one like if you're thinking about a science experiment you always have like the pool that you're doing your experiment on but when it comes to nutrition or anything to do with changes in your body it's totally personal like whatever's happening in your life in your body that's going to make you feel the best is what you need to do but yeah i actually um did have a lot of vegan clients and they do a whole thing in january over there called veganuary where um vegan for, for january um, although I did find sometimes though people just change their processed meat products for processed vegan products and again like you said with the put on your face like I still got to know what you're putting in your body so yeah I don't think yeah I think sometimes different diets are held up to this like amazing standard but yeah you still have to do the work to make them the, the healthier choice <laughs> definitely when people say diet, I feel there's a stigma attached to it. Being vegan, I get the impression from others that I'm hard on myself and I follow a strict diet and it's a strict oppressive diet. Whereas I don't see it that way. I just believe I'm eating healthy and I feel good. But I also indulge from time to time. I have those intervals and then after about a few days or a week, I get back on track and perhaps work out more than what I usually would or I do uh, long periods of fasting and, and, I, and I always make sure I, I eat when I am eating a, you know, a certain amount of these proteins, these fats and these carbohydrates just to ensure that I'm, I'm covering all of the essential micronutrients and, and calories. But having thoughts about food can also consume you if you, you don't keep it balanced and yeah it's just like you said it's like it's yeah and I think females are definitely worse at it oh my god in terms of oh I was naughty or bad or wasn't sticking to like the way I I want to be because let's face it if you had a choice you would probably choose to eat fresh and stuff like majority of the time and then have your indulgences and there's nothing wrong with that but then you kind of like something draws you across to like being more indulgent and, you know, having the quote unquote bad foods. Mm. And then, yeah. yeah, I don't know, females seem to really beat themselves up about that where if I have like my male clients, oh my goodness, they're just like, oh, it's just a challenge. Like they can just like brush things off. Like there it definitely is a very difference in the way that they approach it. And it's like you said, with the word diet, like I don't, there's not a better word for it, but I think we've used come to use diet as like being on a diet rather than a 
a diet is the way you eat. It's not like going on a diet. And it's like just thinking that like I have a friend um, who I used to live with and her eight-year-old niece was um, used to you always use the words around, um, oh, I wish she was on a diet like you. And like she would like use that not, not in a great way. And like, this is not a diet. This is just the way I eat. Like sometimes like if I go out, I will have a treat and I will 100% totally enjoy it. Like when I was in England and I was going out with my aunties, we were having a cup of tea and a cake. I'm not going to beat myself up about that. It was such a beautiful experience. I enjoyed mm-hmm. every single bite of that cake. I'm, you know, being with my aunties, it was a lovely time. If I then sit there afterwards and then think, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, it's like, Kirsty, you're so hopeless. Like, why can't you just stick to how you're meant to eat? It's like, hey, who told you it's how you're meant to eat? Like that's some mm-hmm. kind of like, social construct or thing that you've got in your mind. <laughs> yeah. But it takes the joy and pleasure out of it. And that stress that you're giving yourself by beating yourself up is doing more damage than a small piece of cake is ever going to do to your body. It's so true. Women have such a complex, more than men, when it comes to food. But you also use spirituality in your practice. You bridge science with spirituality, which I'm finding it that to to be a a common thing in a lot of holistic practices can you explain what spiritual modalities you're using in combination with nutrition yeah i kind of have spirituality as anything that's not like very modern medicine and like kind of encompassing it's not all necessarily i suppose pure spirituality um so i'm actually like a reiki practitioner so i will do reiki on clients and you can actually do that remotely as well which is like fantastic and really nice um i dose bark flowers which i think really helps on the emotional body and i use a lot of medical astrology or someone's natal chart to really a see where some points of opposition and friction might be and it doesn't diagnose medical astrology doesn't diagnose and I don't use it for diagnosis but once someone comes to me with an ailment or a problem we can look at that and be like okay this is what causes it to flare so let's see if we can mitigate that and you can do it through different herbs different foods different minerals and support to be able to do that so I tend to use like that side of it which is a little bit more woo-woo and unconventional (laughs) Like I did a science degree, like we did biochemistry, we did physiology, like we did anatomy, like um, all of that kind of stuff. So I know how the body works down to the cellular level. And then, but that's just not it because like, you know, I have people that come to me that quote unquote, know what they should be eating to make themselves feel better. And I say shouldn't in, in like adverted commas, because like you would know, say, you've had a period of like eating your heavy carbs, you feel a little bit slow and sluggish and not your best. So when I say should, it's your body is giving you that feedback where, where you eat mainly fresh foods, you probably feel a little bit more alive and like you've got more effort and like energy, what the word I'm looking for. But yet there's something in us that makes us not go towards that energy sparkliness. It pulls us in another direction. That's got nothing to do with food. That's got nothing to do with how your body works. That is some mental, emotional thing that you've got going on. And that's where I really like to tie the two in together because it is often not about 
the cake that you're going to eat. There is something going on. And I find, yeah, being able to work particularly on that emotional body to really help um, heal and allow, allow them to move forward. And sometimes it's also just to give themselves permission to be them. Like no one's actually ever seen them before. And I find the natal chart is very good for that. Like you can pick out parts of it and like say, you know, this is probably what you're like. And they're like, oh my goodness, it is. And I think for the first time they really feel seen, which is fantastic, particularly for women who tend to, I think I have a lot of like mums and people with high flying careers and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, you can definitely feel sometimes like you're not seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, cause um, I have been finding as well, like what you were saying is when I have indulged a lot, it's either been because I've been bored <laughs> or I haven't seen my friends in a while. So I'll go, I'll go all out and I'll be like, yeah, I'll get this dish. And I guess when I think about it, it's because um, if I do go out, it's, it's a social thing. I haven't seen my friends for a long time. So I'm like, oh, I've got to, got to make up for all this time lost and I've got to get the best dish and yeah, I think I think for me, when it comes to food, <laughs> I hope this doesn't sound bad, but I feel as if it's it, it is a social thing, but it's also um, when you're bored. That's when I feel like I eat, yes. um, and I don't know if that's linked to de- depression, but I don't feel as if I'm a depressed person. It's more of a oh, uh, what do I do? What's going What's going to kill an hour? And so it's go to the fridge or, yeah, I'll walk yeah. up the shops and just grab like a snack and then I'll meet up with my friend or something. So, yeah, no, I do find as if a lot of the time, yeah, it's it's really just because I've got nothing else to do. Like especially like that whole work from home. Like I said, I was stuck in lockdown for a long time. Like I think all up over the last couple of years or a year and a half, I did like 60 something weeks in lockdown like it was a obviously not in all in one go but there was a lot of time you told me about eating for boredom and then like I I understand that because you just want something else to do and I find the stress and the emotional eating is big one too like I used to be quite heavily an emotional eater I try to like I'm probably not as stuck in it anymore because again I've found different ways to feed my emotions or like give them what they need rather than food but again it takes some time and you're never going to nail it first go and there are some times trust me where I still find myself with my finger in the peanut butter jar before I even realize that's my go or like I've eaten a piece of chocolate and I haven't really even realized it like it's gone I'm like oh I didn't even I didn't even taste it like and then I actually feel bad for that not that I've eaten it but I'm like oh I missed the opportunity to really indulge in that so I think like they are big ones and how I tend to work with my clients is I get them to write like a list of all these other things that they can do, depending on what it is. Like, is it boredom? Is it like an emotional need that needs feeling? Are you procrastinating? Like, is there always something that you go to do? And before you even start it, you're like, like that is a big one as well. So we try and identify what it is for them. And then, like I said, you make Mm. that list and you put it somewhere. And trust me, it is hard. Like, again, like I've been there, I've done, I fully know and understand that you have this list of 10 things and it might be things like 
read, have a bath, go for a quick walk, like do a stretch, like all these other really nice things. Even just go and stand outside in the sun, have a drink of water, like all of those things that we know that we can put on those kind of um, lists. But when you're like faced with this list and then you're faced with food, you're like, would you that list and nothing fits and the food does so go with the food but then just enjoy it. and that's what I always say to people if you do choose it it's like I say with like my chocolate enjoy it and like with my piece of cake like sit there and honestly enjoy the food that you do eat like don't beat yourself up about it and then you will you just you will start to make different choices it doesn't happen overnight like oh believe you me like I can tell you when I was Oh, not even that long ago, but definitely I remember being um, in high school and I was funny because I always thought I was a bit of a chubby kid and I look back and I'm like, I was not. So that was quite interesting how you see yourself. Um, And I was always on a diet, like always and trying not to eat fat and all this kind of thing. So I would literally go to Baker's Delight and they would have these white fluffy bread roll scroll things filled with this like sweet sugary jam stuff with that pink icing oh and I, I know the ones I know the ones <laughs> that I was doing amazing things for my body and my health because there was no fat in it and I'm like oh my goodness now I know what I know I'm like I could not <laughs> yeah <laughs> I could buy McDonald's but I was at Baker's Delight so I thought I was doing like the right thing for my body yeah it turns out it it's not so like you just do your best until you know better and then you do better like it's not this magic switch that just like flicks it is a slow process it is two steps forward one step back sometimes four steps back and it's annoying and you get frustrated with yourself but it's just really about starting to be kind to yourself and making those really small steps every day and I know it probably sounds really cliche saying that and like I said it's taken me a long time even through all my healing probably only been in the last like year or two that I can honestly accept this is the way I am this is the way I do it and I've been on this journey for like eight nine years so yeah it doesn't happen but it does happen you just gotta keep taking that step forward when you feel like you've got energy to do it we really do take it all for granted. When you think about it, how the Indigenous Aboriginals used to live, hunting and gathering, not eating for long periods of time. And now in this time and age, we feel so guilty about what we eat or not guilty and we're gluttonous or we have the luxury of eating a balanced diet. Oh, no, even like knowing where your food even comes from, like that is crazy to think. Like I was like, I grew up. Uh, in like sitting in Dubbo which is like in the country in New South Wales um, my dad grew up on a farm my mum was um, she's English hence why like got relatives and stuff in England but she grew up in the country as well so like they grew up with that whole you know if you you, you use every part of an animal type thing like you know it's not just like chicken breast that you see on the, in this plastic that's wrapped in plastic like it's you have that connection of where your food actually comes from. Now, for some people, that's too confronting and that's completely okay. But then for other people, like I think for myself, like having that connection and, and knowing where it's from is actually really nice. Like you, you know it's not just turning up. And through, I think, doing the nutrition degree, and I think if we look back at 
um, Indigenous cultures like the Aboriginals, they didn't just eat for the hell of eating, which I find that, you know, we do nowadays. Like always a, like something to eat for. I mean, like at some, some stages there was lots of famine and stuff around if there was no food as well. But they would eat when they were hungry. They were a lot more in tune with what was going on. They would eat very seasonal and they would know sort of what was around. But they would also know the benefits of the food they were eating and what it gave them. And I think that is something that's forever going to change for me since I have um, done my nutrition degree because I can't, it's like it's so strange. I was actually talking to um, a fellow nutritionist about this a few months ago. And like you literally look at a Brazil nut down now and you go, oh, there's like my little bit of selenium. And you look at your broccoli and you're like, oh, there's all this vitamin C. Like you actually at your food differently and you look at it as nourishment. You look at it as energy. It's not like good or bad. So like, you know, if I'm staring down a piece of cake that's probably maybe flour, if I'm at my nephew's birthday, like he is not going to have what they call their nickname for me is Diddy. So they're not going to have an, an auntie Diddy friendly cake um, that would make me. And they often say that, did you make this or is this for us? I'm like, no, this is for you. Um, but yeah, like, if I eat that, I'm going to know it's not going to give me energy. I'm probably going to feel a bit tired and sluggish because it tends to be what gluten does to me. It makes me a little bit tired. Um, but yeah, and but I, it's okay. It's like it's one night and it's for him and it's this big celebration. But then if I'm looking at something later and I've got the choice of, say, in a cafe with a friend and there's a piece of caramel slice or a piece of raw caramel slice, I'm going to go the raw one because I know it's going to leave me feeling energised afterwards rather than feeling depleted by eating the other one and that's just kind of how I look at food now but like I said it didn't happen straight away it does take time and it takes that education I think around your food and knowing how you feel and tuning into your body I think we've lost so much about tuning into our bodies of what makes us feel energized and what depletes us I won't mention any names but I was with a friend who was feeling hungry and he said I need some sustenance. I need some energy, something to eat. I said, no worries. There's a shop over there, you know, go, go grab something, whatever. Anyway, he comes out with a sausage roll and meat pie and he squeezes on the tomato <laughs> sauce over the sausage roll. And I just felt like saying, do you know what's in that sausage roll and meat pie? <laughs> <laughs> it's as though when people haven't eaten for a while and they're at that point of starvation the first thought is the worst food choice for ourselves even if there's an option no. for a healthy Absolutely. dish I it's something about feeling so hungry that your mind automatically goes to uh, I'll take the the worst option mm -hmm. okay um you know when when you go camping it's just it's just so common to do that because you stop off at a petrol station and the food on offer in the Bay Marie will be your pastries and your, your pies and your, um, your dim sims. And, you know, us Australians love our sausage rolls and meat pies. Like I said, I remember um, when I used to travel backwards and forwards at Abo more regularly when I was like seeing my dad for like school holidays and things like that. Well, the best thing to do was to stop at the bakery and get the minted lamb pie. Like it is very traditional and like built into you. And I must say, I did that oh, 
probably about maybe five or six years ago. And I'm like, oh, and then you have it. And it's actually not how you remember it either. And it's so disappointing. Like Easter eggs, like I was a huge fan of the Humpty Dumpty Easter egg with the Smarties in it. And I had one and because I just haven't eaten like that for such a long time, I was so disappointed with how it tasted. So I think like it is food to them because like I said, like I wasn't brought up the way I eat now. And even my, like my mother has changed the way she eats because like I've educated her and different health things have happened to her and we've changed like diets and stuff like that. So I also think sometimes people don't know how good they are meant to feel. So they have the way they feel at the moment, eating those foods is very normal for them. The body is super adaptable. It will keep changing to make you feel as best as you can on the food that you give it. Then if you start giving it different food, more nourishing food, and that's what I say, like in terms of good or bad food, it's just food that provides the body with more nourishment it will change and you will feel better. And you probably then notice the stark difference when you have the pie again and how it depletes you because you have such a difference to compare it with. Where at the moment, you're sort of stuck in this mediocre kind of energy level state that doesn't, yeah, so you don't really have anything to compare this like bright, vibrant person to. I love that meme that's going that goes around that says like that you basically, I can't remember exactly what it is, but basically the person on my Facebook 10 years ago is like, I don't even know who that is compared to. And like, that is me. Like I was always complaining about headaches, about being sick, about being tired, about like over being overworked and all this kind of stuff. And I look at now, I'm like, I don't even know who that person was back then. So like, I think you've got something to compare it against once you start making those changes. Just going back on how you incorporate astrology into your consults, do you find there to be skeptics? The um, I would say there's definitely some people that are like fully open to it straight away. I do have it in all my packages and it's never the first kind of follow-up. I usually like leave it for two or three follow-ups and we do other things first. Um, and it depends how I introduce it and how deep I want to go. So Sometimes they may not even fully know that I've done it. And it tends to be a little bit more with the, the males. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, they might need emotional support or they're not processing their anger or, or something like that. So I, for instance, Mars is your sign of anger and aggression and passion. So if I'm finding that a male is coming to me and they've got a little bit of low testosterone, they're feeling not motivated. I look towards their Mars sign and be like, okay, what do we need to like feed it to allow it to be really healthily expressed and depending where Mars what sign Mars sits in for you and then you can add the house as well but generally even if you just look at the the sign you can see how it is because like a Mars in Aries which is like fire and go-getting and starting all these projects is completely different to like a Mars in Cancer which is like watery and just wanting to be at home and like they are completely different ways of expression like being expressive so yeah like doing that kind of stuff is probably like the most basic right down to yeah like I said I, I open their chart up for them and we talk about it and depending if I know their birth time how much we can then dive into it and I kind of let them lead it like if they're not fully into it then I just I don't go there um because yeah it really is like it's their consult it's what's going to make them feel the best and it might be something else that resonates like better with them 
how did you find astrology? I can't imagine that astrology was part of your study in science. But we actually didn't. I went to a natural health college, which I loved. So we did a lot of um, like traditional styles. And if you look at Greek medicine, and we did do um, Greek medicine, a lot of that has got to do with the different elements. So like fire, earth, water, and air, which has got its basis in astrology. And like so much of those Greek um well, doctors where they were back then, they often spoke, if you didn't know astrology, you couldn't practice medicine. It was quite interesting and in how that is completely out of it now. You see so many quotes about it. Um, so I did that. One of my lecturers, um, Kira, who she, she loves medical astrology, and that's who I've done my medical astrology um, courses and stuff through. She's also a sports um, nutritionist. So I love that she does both. And I think seeing her being able to do that allowed me to. I also probably just found astrology myself because when I was going through a particularly bad, like mental kind of stage myself, I started to find myself in my natal chart. And when you start to know and understand yourself, you can love and accept yourself so much better. And in doing that, it's amazing how much easier the rest of life feels. That's very true. I don't, it, it seems like such an easy thing to think about, to sit down and really discover yourself and self-develop and, you know, just sitting there and writing down how you feel and all of that, it seems so simple, yet people struggle to do it. <laughs> so it's very confronting. Like, it's, Yeah, it is. It's true. Because you get to see the good and not so great parts about yourself. Mm. I've done that. Way. When I've sat down and I've written things about myself and I've gone oh that is that really bad and it is bad and I go no it's not and I I I forget about it I'll scratch it out this is when I first started doing it and then yeah anytime I kind of thought oh this is really actually a negative thing I would hesitate to write it for some reason because I kind of liked the quality but it wasn't so much that I liked the quality I think I just didn't understand why I behaved in that particular way so I had to kind of dissect what triggers that response and maybe there's another way I can deal with it because it's not nice to other people that's and that's I think is it is really hard you've got to really go I've got some bad traits but I've got some good ones too and I don't mean to do those things and I think what I struggled with because I had a list of things (laughs) and I started to really get confused and and then I started to research my emotions and feelings and and I started to get into people like um, Robert Green and a whole other bunch of guys that <laughs> research all this stuff. And I think at the end of the day is that you actually start it, that you've actually taken the time to sit there and work on yourself. And that's a really hard thing to do, but it also shows that you want to become a better person, a healthier person. So, yeah, I think that's, yeah, it's true. People struggle to, to, I know I did, but I got there eventually and I'm still working on myself. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. It's going to be like a continual process. And, yeah, I mean, I suppose you can get like really deep and like I love using the term woo-woo and stuff like that into it. Like you're here to like continually evolve. Like as humans, we are the most adaptable species on the planet, which is why we have gotten where we are and 
the rest of the animals in the world are, are still like not living in beautiful houses and driving cars and doing all those things. Like we are completely and amazingly adaptable, but yet we hate change as well. And I, it's so crazy, but yeah, we are just keep evolving. And I know some people say to me, like, you know, why do you always have to go in so deep? I'm like, you don't have to go in so deep. Like, and it's, I will spend periods of time, like sort of diving down and coming back up. Now my Mars is in Scorpio, which is the planet of like death and rebirth. So like, I will often like go in deep and then be like, oh, it's too much. And then like come back up air type thing. So yeah. And like knowing that about myself and knowing that I will like the way that I, I process like anger and those deep emotions, like passion is very like death, rebirth, death, rebirth, like knowing that about myself. Oh my God. It allows me to just let it flow so much easier where I used to just go into spirals and it just be horrible and I couldn't understand it. So yeah, like knowing that I just like, okay, you know what? this is going to pass. This is like a deep moment and we're going to come back up for air. And I think that then triggers off other things in my chart. So I'm a Virgo and whilst I'm a Leo rising, so it's like my start of my first house where I'd sit, my Virgo does come into my first house. So it is very prominent in me as well. So I can be quite controlling at times. And <laughs> not going to lie. But again, that's like every, um, every sign, every part of your chart has this very like, I suppose, high vibration and low vibration or what they say, like good part or the shadow part of what it is. So like the part of me that can be controlling, like when things start to feel like they're falling apart for me, I just control because then I know that my world is going to be okay. But obviously that is quite detrimental to other people because they then get controlled. Like if you're in my world, you are doing as I say, like that kind of feeling, which is again, like you said, it's not nice for the people around you. Virgo part of me that can see and does tend to control and do stuff can be super great for like making decisions and getting things done. Like we've got a family gathering. I'm the one that's like, okay, this, this, and this is happening and we're doing it. And it's done in a really good, healthy way. Mm -hmm. And I now know too, if I go into that unhealthy way of like controlling, I'm like, okay, what is being triggered that I don't feel safe? Like, why do I need to do this? rather than just going deep down that rabbit hole, having an awareness of it allows you to stop, take a breath, step back and be like, you said, okay, like what is this trigger? What emotion is this bringing up? What do I need to do? Now there is different ways of doing that. You don't have to do your natal chart. That just is what really resonates with me, which is why I then do it with clients and stuff like that, because I feel like it's worked for me. It's amazing. I love it. It also helps me understand other people. So if I get their charts, I'm like, okay, this is this for you. So how can I relate to you better? So yeah, I just, I love, just absolutely love astrology. Yeah, no, I definitely see how it is. There's this connotation to it. There's, it's definitely related a lot. I, I'm a huge believer in, in the planets and the stars aligning and and how it all affects our moods. I'm not, I used to be, I'll say when I was in my early twenties, I'd always go, Oh, got to check the newspaper and it'd be straight into the middle section, right? Where it would have your weekly horoscope. And that was, that would be all I would read in the newspaper. But uh, yeah, over time, obviously I've just had a, a, a bigger understanding of, of astrology. And I, I feel as if a lot of people 
obviously in holistic health are using these types of modalities and they're really using spirituality to to help them in their practice and and I think it's great I think it's important I think it's finding the root cause you know I and I and I hate I think I've said this in a few podcasts but I do find you know when you go see a GP it really is just to get a script yeah and that's I mean like I said at the beginning like it's nothing detrimental like if I have an infection that like requires antibiotics to get better like I need to go to them like if I'm missing a limb or something like I need to go to them like there are 100% and I just like for me I just wish they could work like much better together like I love the way that they could work together and I just I find any on both sides there's a lot of very holistic people that are very like anti-modern medicine and very a lot of modern medicine is very anti-holistic so there's it's not a right or wrong on either side it's just like use them in combination because sometimes like I think too like with mental health is a really good one sometimes you need to go and have the antidepressants or the anti-anxiety to get rid of the fog so then you can start stepping forward because for some people that fog can't be parted for other people it can without the medication and it's not a failure or not like you know the person that takes is a failure and the person that doesn't is like this amazing person like it is this like you you take it so you can then allow yourself to clear the fog and then start making the changes in your life so you don't keep slipping back to it and I think where it becomes is then they just start using the pill all the time and then they don't make the changes like that to me is kind of like oh I don't love that but then it's the same with like just taking all these I don't know pills that are like nutrients and stuff all the time if you're continuing to do that to band-aid a bad diet you're not changing your diet it's still just a band-aid so yeah and it can happen on both sides that you can't change without changing like it's just yeah Yeah. and it's hard and we are very like I said we were we're the most adaptable people in the world but god we like hanging on to the things that we're (laughs) doing we 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 enjoy suffering <laughs> you were saying um you're talking about like spirituality and how a lot of holistic people are starting to use it as you were saying that it kind of made me think when you were talking about like indigenous cultures they used spirituality all the time mm. like in that connection of how it is whether it's connecting back with people whether it's like women sitting in circles men sitting in circles together connection to the land like all of that stuff that now we term as spirituality and and woo-woo and what's different our ancestors have done that for hundreds of thousands of years and we've only been doing this for a hundred years and we think that's different like yeah it's crazy to me like it is the way that we've lived for such a long time and we've only recently changed it yeah I I I how, how do you do you feel like the shift there's a shift where we're moving more towards that not saying we're going to go back to the old ways but do you feel it's getting better living in my house I don't want to yeah. live in a hut like let's be completely <laughs> honest <laughs> actually I'd, I'd live in a dugout I'd live in a dugout I think I would I'm I, I watch that stuff on YouTube I'm like wow I could do that again I'm summertime or stuff like that like when it comes to winter I want like my big snuggly doona and yeah that's creature comforts like my chai tea that I, I suppose I can warm that up over a 
a fire but yeah there's a few things that I'm like oh I don't know if I could live without (laughs) (laughs) actually that's another thing I've got my dandelion root tea that I'm I love this stuff I'm a huge coffee drinker I just have black coffee but yeah anyway I I'm I'm getting really getting into the herbal teas so like nettle and ginger and and so do you have any sort of uh remedies because we're in autumn at the moment we're heading into winter so do you have any sort of remedies or any sort of uh, recommendations for for people? Food wise, going into f- food wise, um, yeah. I guess what I was trying to say is I, I like to take herbal tea to, in case I get a cold. <laughs> I fi- I'm finding when I've done some research that there's a lot of herbs that you can drink to to uh, minimize the risk of of yeah. getting sick instead of taking a supplement. Yeah. So yeah, do you have any? recommendation could be food it could be teas anything so my favorite one is actually and it's on my website I'm happy to give you like a link if people want it but it's like I call it immune boosting honey and I make it all the time and I've just got it there and I either take it preventively or if I can feel myself starting to get a little bit sick and it's basically um onion and garlic chopped up minced up and put in honey and then left for 24 hours and then you drain the honey off and you basically then just take spoonfuls of this um, honey, uh, garlic and onion infused honey. So garlic and onion, very antibacterial, antimicrobial. The honey is also the same, but, you know, if you've got that sort of sore throat, so anything very upper respiratory, that is amazing for. So more coldy type stuff, amazing thing I like about it too it's so much better than tasting than cough medicine oh oh, that's (laughs) Um, but yeah I mean I've remember making it for my nieces and they actually love it for me it tastes a bit like a marinade you know like that's the kind of thing that you would put marinade chicken and stuff in um yeah yeah you really like it I know some people like oh but um honestly taste it before you (laughs) screw your nose up it I have that just made up in the cupboard so I actually had a period of time where I was a lot of people at my work were getting sick my housemate had gotten sick so I started taking that preventively because again it may not stop you getting it but a hundred percent will like lessen it and Mm -hmm. not make it go for as long that's a really good one Um, having really good uh, and a good amount of protein so your immune system or your immunoglobulins are made up of protein. So again, you don't have to go crazy with your protein. You need to make sure you're having a serve, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, good quality protein, whether that is your plant-based protein or your meat protein, that's amazing. Remember, if you are having your plant-based protein, have some vitamin C with it to allow your body to absorb it properly. So that is also really good. So making sure you've got that and just I know it's very cliche, but keeping up the anti-inflammatory and maybe keeping out the inflammatory stuff. So now is not the time to be having a lot of things like sugars and things like that because they are quite inflammatory. So, you know, preferencing it towards things like, you know, olive oils, which is like very anti-inflammatory or your omega-3 foods, so like chia seeds, walnuts, fatty fishes, um, those kind of things. Hemp seeds are amazing as well. So um, yeah, there's a few different sources. And the good thing about all of those, they're also very high in protein. So you're kind of ticking off two things at the same time, which is really nice. 
I love that. nature does that for a very good reason because it knows you need them both at the same so yeah I would say that would be good vitamin d I know it's very hard I don't know what it's like in Perth but it's been a very very rainy and like there's not a lot of sun around so that's the one thing and I again don't just supplement yourself go and get a test from the doctor find out what your vitamin D levels are and do you need to supplement on them and then you know talk to someone in terms of how about getting that up but vitamin D is amazing so you know you can get it through eggs as well so there's definitely some foods you can get vitamin D from but yeah either supplement or get outside and get some sun even in the winter time is amazing and I would just say too, as we come into winter, our bodies are designed to slow down. Like food generally gets scarce, like if we're talking about the way we used to live. So don't like eat I don't know, like a, huge foods. Like it's almost like you could pair back to like two meals a day and have a lot of slow cooked meals, have a lot of roasted veggies. Like your digestion starts to slow down. So give it foods that are easily digested. Give it some um like bone broth and then you can even do like some veggie broths as well like really amazing to allow your body the nutrients without necessarily having all this heavy food so yeah a lot of slow cooked roasted veggies and stuff like that leading into the winter months is really nice as well i was going to ask as well what do you think about raw raw food i was i i i try this has just kind of happened. <laughs> I'm like telling you my life story. I started to eat quite a lot of raw foods and it wasn't intentional. It's just what I was craving. So when we cook our food, is it a lot easier to digest or are our bodies to also designed to, to eat raw food? But it's also a lot easier to digest. So, um, two of the biggest things people come and see me for is hormonal health and digestive health. So often when they come to me and they're in quite digestive distress, eating a lot of raw food is not fantastic for them. Like they're, they're going to do a lot more work to break it down. You think of a, a carrot that's been roasted and a carrot that's mm-hmm. raw, like squeeze it in your hand. Like you can't squeeze the raw carrot, but the other one just turns to mush. So obviously it's going to take less for your digestive system to break that down just because it's already mm-hmm being cooked so as we come into winter like i said our digestion naturally starts to slow down because that's the way it's literally done it for hundreds of thousands of years that's not to say you can't eat raw food absolutely like not but as again it's listening to your body if your body is currently craving raw food eat the raw food 100 eat the raw food because again you're listening to your body but yeah there's like i said this is where there's no right or wrong answer for nutrition and it's also that like I will often I really tune into my cycle in terms of that and I think we have like all this like inner summer spring autumn winter as we go through our monthly cycle being females which happens every month and mm-hmm. now I've been doing this for such a long time now that it's almost my body just naturally gravitates so again sharing a lot of information I am the week before my period and I just like last time, I'm like, oh, I need roast veggies because your digestion, like I'm coming into my inner winter, your period is winter. And I'm like, I'm craving it. I always have this craving for like apple crumble and things like, like stewed fruits and those kind of things leading into my period. But then like around that ovulation, it's in the summer, that stuff makes me feel so heavy. But again, mm. 
you actually start tuning into your body and listening to it, you don't know. You just keep eating the same thing all the time. So, yeah. yeah. And I find like, you know, women have that cycle every month, but then we go through this much larger cycle over the year that we all go through. So, again, it's about listening to your body. Your body right now might need the freshness, the rawness. Maybe there's some like, you know, that kind of stuff is very good for like lymphatic drainage and all that kind of stuff. So if that stuff is going on in your body, it just might need it. So yeah, really like stop and listen in because your your body is consistently talking to you. We just mm. have learned not to listen to it. <laughs> we, we, we don't know what <laughs> I always say. Like I like to allow people to understand the language of their body because it is always talking to you. Yeah, that's brilliant. Oh, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> you've given so much advice you've given so much helpful knowledgeable information for people but is there any sort of spiritual advice that you could give people to the listeners yes I I would love everybody to find a moment in their day that they can take five long deep slow breaths that instantly shifts anybody into that sympathetic dominance back into parasympathetic, which just allows the body to be like, (sighs) (laughs) to go in. Obviously, if you can do more than five, that's amazing. But if you can just find that moment in time, you can do those five breaths. And like I say to some of my clients, even if it's on the toilet, at the bathroom at work, like if that is the only place that you can just take that, it will take less than a minute. And just make sure that breath goes all the way down to your belly. And then as you breathe it out, you absolutely just allow your body to relax. That I think can really start to honestly just start switching things for people. Yeah. I actually do that in my car. I do the deep breaths all the way to work. And you are the calmest driver (laughs) on the road. People can cut you off and you will be like, it's okay. Is there Whatever. <laughs> is that you're still doing something else. So you're not completely focused on the breath. Because mm. ideally you could even close your eyes and and like go inwards. So like uh, you time, five deep breaths, which is why, you know, in any cubicle at work with it closed, you can with <laughs> <laughs> and no one knows what you're doing and that's fine. Or like, you know, if you hop in your car before you leave work, mm. stop and do it. Um, in the car in the driveway before you walk in. I usually do mine. I've got a dog and she goes out before we go to bed every night. So I just try and do my five deep breaths, like under the stars and the moon. And it's all like, yeah. But again, you don't have to do it. It's all woo-woo. But my moon sign loves it. Like there's so much about that that just like refreshes me. But yeah, uh, if I can't, if it's pouring with rain, then I just do them on the couch. Like it's yeah. just, yeah, that time just to take the five deep breaths and just connect back in with you because not only will it, like I said, switch you into that parasympathetic, the rest and digest state, mm-hmm. but it also, yeah, allows that connection back to ourselves, which, oh, my goodness, we have lost so much of. We it. have. But I don't know what the news is like over in uh, New South Wales, but we've been having not a lot, but with the alignments of seeing all the planets. I don't know if that came on your news where you're located, but I am finding 
they are talking about it. it's not so woo woo anymore. Uh, they're obviously not talking about the the energy and things like that, but yeah. So hopefully we'll get there. We'll get to a point where we um I don't know. I don't think everybody has to believe in spirituality, but I I think it's hard to not believe in it once you have an understa- a finer understanding of yourself and everything else around you and how it works. Well, I'm hoping we move to that direction of of more of a a spiritual connection with with everything that's going on. And I think we are. I think we are. I think there's a lot more like for those skeptics, a lot of hard actual research that um you know the energy of like of everything has like energy and we are all connected to it and all those kind of things and like honestly there are some things I read too and I'm like oh that even tests my realm of like I don't know if I can get my brain around how that works and you don't have to necessarily know like it's how you feel and spirituality is I don't know it's just the belief that you are connected to something greater than yourself really whether that is like God for you or whether it's like Buddha or whether it's the universe or your higher self or whatever that is. Like it doesn't have to even be a thing. It's just knowing that you are a part of this like amazing big weave of what the collective is, which is, yeah, it's just, it's really nice to know that you are part of that but also really insignificant all at the same time. <laughs> um, how can people find you? Best way to find me, and I'm probably most active, is over on Instagram. So the nourishing way underscore is how you will find me, or you can just head to the nourishingway.com.au, which is the website. And there's like heaps of recipes and resources and stuff like that over on the website if you wanted to dive into any of those yeah, as well. Great. I'll also leave all the links in the podcast description so people can click on that and check you out. And it was so nice being able to talk to someone in australia <laughs> it's always nice to talk to someone from your own country so yeah no thanks for taking the time to connect with me i really appreciate it and thank you for all of your work of helping people and your practice and what you're doing everything i think it's it's brilliant fantastic thank you this has been so much fun i loved it okay good <laughs> all right thank you See ya. so that ends the conversation with kirsty taylor Perhaps your horoscope could assist you with mind, body and spirit. Maybe if you are feeling, behaving or acting in a particular way and you don't really know why, perhaps you could get your birth chart or natal chart. Maybe it can help you out. You never know. And I won't ramble on too much because I did that at the beginning. But to sum it up, astrology has been used for centuries by a great number of cultures, by kings, Many fields of science use astrology, cosmology, metaphysics, philosophers. And there are some influential people that have left their legacy, shared their theories and knowledge. If you are somebody that is skeptical and you think it's woo-woo, I recommend you look up at the sky on a clear night and you will be surprised as to how that will make you feel. And I don't think I'm alone when I say that. Even though I think I'm not from this planet, I actually don't think anyone is really from this planet. It's very, very rare we look up and I think everybody should be doing that more often. And if you've got a telescope, even better, you can see some trippy ass stuff with a telescope. I don't think it's anything to be afraid of. 
and uh, you'll be surprised what you you'll see up there and it, it makes you wonder you just have to have an open heart an open mind live your life and be free thanks for tuning in